How is everybody? Great. I, I'm so honored to have the Mueller's here. Uh, when we went to Guatemala, they uh, welcomed us, and then we did some ministry there. And I think uh, as a church, that's a great picture. It's both a, a great picture for Stephen and Alicia as they're going. And then, you know, the goal of our church and our individual lives is to leave an inheritance and to leave a legacy and have served the Lord for so long that multiplication has happened. And that's, that's what I see when I look at their lives. I look at their ministry. Uh, I look at their hearts. And as a church, that is my desire, not only for us as a body, but for each individual as well. Is that by the way that you live and the way that you know the Lord, it impacts everybody around you. Now, sometimes we, we tend to, to romanticize, if you will, missionaries. But missionaries will tell you, this is part of my calling. This is normal to me. So some of you guys, you're called to the marketplace. You're called to your neighborhood. You're called to the area where you have people that you can influence. And, and this is the picture, though, of the gospel at work in our lives. And so uh, we're so grateful to have the Mueller's here. We're so grateful for the Lunds that are going. And uh, I would ask that you would prayerfully consider giving. The, the, the mission is for people to know the, the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, ministry equals dollars. Because in order to go, in order to send, it costs. And so you don't walk into Walmart and just load up your cart and walk out, right? Because the police will come after you and take you to jail, right? We have to pay. And so in many ways, um, in order to, to send the gospel overseas, we need the finances to come in. So I'm challenging you guys that if you give toward a couple, that you also keep, consistently keep them in prayer. Because prayer is more important than the dollars, but the dollar starts it, the prayer uh, continues it, all right? So, okay, gonna, we're taking up a, separate, a second offering this morning for our missionaries. If you, if you guys would come forward, we're going to pray over that. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for your blessings and your kindness toward us. We ask that you'd bless the finances here to reach people in Omaha and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I just wanted to, to tell my wife and the ladies who participated in last week's message. What a great job they did. I love talk. Yeah, you can clap. I love talking about things that are in the pews, in the shadows, stuff that maybe uh, make us uncomfortable, but there, there, there's pain sometimes in the pews. There's hurting in the pews. There's, you know, situations that we need to discuss just to let other people know, hey, you're not alone. And so I just thought they did a great job. This week, we are starting a new series, and I will be speaking every other week. Again, we have people on schedule to preach. That has been part of the plan for a long time, so we're going to keep that. But when we were going to take the multi-site, we, uh, before we were going to, to meet with our group, I wanted to, to put together just a mindset, if you will how I wanted our leaders and people who were going over to this multi-site, I wanted them to think a particular way even before we went over there. And we had people coming up to us. I called them early adopters. They wanted to go be part of it. They felt like God was calling them to go over. And our first meeting was going to go like this. I was going to tell them, there are four different things that I need you to know if you're going over to the multi-site. And it's in this order. God is first. So in everything that we do, we prayerfully consider, 
We make sure it lines up according to scripture, but we're willing to sacrifice whatever we need to in order for the gospel to go forward. Number two is us. How many like being part of a team? How many like being part of a family? Maybe not your family, but you like being part of a family, right? You, you, you want to be part of a group of people who are together to accomplish something that's bigger. I want people to know me. I want, I want to know them. I want to be part of that kind of culture. How many know that if you're in that kind of culture, it's going to get messy. Doesn't mean we're always going to agree about everything, but it means we're for each other and we're willing to work it out. The third thing is the idea of them. Them is anybody who walked through the doors, anybody that we were ministering to in the community, anybody that you come into contact with in your life. It could be your neighbor. It could be your the coworker. It could be anybody, even at Walmart, them has to be identified. And the last thing is you. So God, us, them, and you, and you come last. Everybody excited about that? Nobody would have gone over with us, but we would have tried it anyway. You is last because here is, here was my promise that if you'll put in order other people, put God first and, and us as a team and other people who we interact with, I'll make sure that what God has placed in your heart, we will equip, we'll develop, we'll empower, we'll minister, we'll bring health and, and wholeness to you and we'll help you walk that out. But I, I see oftentimes in church, in organizations, in marketplace, it's flipped. And I'm first. If I don't get what I want, I'm not going to be a part of it. If I don't get a, a chance at the stage, I don't know why you'd want the stage, then I'm going to leave. If I don't get to do it the way that I want to do it, I'm going to leave. And, and I just think in church there, there is a priority list and you come last. But if you come last, what does the Bible say? You'll be first. Right. And so... Uh, I'm going to talk this week about God first. And, uh, you know, my heart is to to see every person to know Jesus, but also to discover what what you're wired to do and what God's called you to do on this earth. How many know that, that God builds his church, but we build people? That's our responsibility. Ephesians 4. Every person has a gift, a talent, and a grace on their life, and they have to utilize that to bring health to the body. I need to say this. So... There was a, a, a man who last week came up to me and he said, the Lord told me to tell you something. Well, that's always a little scary. And he was right. He said, the Lord said, quit, quit preaching from your notes. And the Lord had been talking to me about that for two years. And so uh, I am preaching from my notes, Lord, <laughs> but we're going to try to do better at getting away from my notes. So uh, I, I can remember being up here years ago and preaching from eight pages of notes and uh, everybody in the congregation groaned. And now it's down to two. So we're getting there. We're working on it. Uh, but it's two and it's uh, like, never mind. We're not going to go there. <laughs> so let's do this. Would you stand and let's read from the word of God this morning. I, I want to say this too. Sometimes when we do something new, people connect it to something you know, they make connections. I just want to tell you, the only reason why we're having you stand is we just want to honor God's word. It has nothing to do with anything liturgical or any, any other idea. We love God and we just want to be able to reverence his, his word, okay? So let's read. You have the scripture? Awesome. A large crowd was following Jesus and he turned around and said to them, 
If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might come... Complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your kindness toward us, God. I pray that you would speak to every heart, every individual, every situation, God. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So one of the things that uh, I wanted to cover today is the idea of disciple. You know, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of versions of Christianity out there. You know, everybody wants to connect Jesus to their cause or Jesus to this. But in reality, there, there's a very clear framework in Scripture, what it means to be a disciple and what it means to be a Christian. And so, I don't, I don't know about you, but uh, through the years, I've kind of um, been a little frustrated at times not being able to narrow down what's the goal in Christianity. You know, how do we measure if we're being successful? How do we know if we're actually... Um, accomplishing what the gospel tells us to do. And I didn't understand this for years. I was always going, you know, are are we winning? Are we losing? Are we accomplishing the mission? I I couldn't tell. And uh, last year we took this test and it was an extended version of disc. Anybody familiar with disc? I know it's not anti-Bible or anything. People get nervous when we take tests, but uh, it's about wiring And one of the things they measured, there were seven things they measured. One of them that came out for me, I'm high economic. And high economic is not related to money. It's related to measurement. And so I really like knowing whether or not what I'm doing is making a difference. Anybody else in the same boat? How many times do you feel like, I don't know if what I'm doing is making a difference? And so uh, there's something that we use when we want people to, to begin to discover purpose, we use a framework. And really, it's just to bring clarity. It can't pinpoint your purpose, but it can point you in the direction. And it's a, we call it a purpose triangle. It's three things, three questions. What are you passionate about? Okay, so not just what you get emotional about, but what you're willing to sacrifice and suffer for. That's the true definition uh, of passion. The second thing is, what are you good at? What do people recognize? Wow, you are really good at this and people point it out. And the third thing is, what is it that you see in the world that you want to change? What is God prompting you, putting on your radar that you want to bring change to? And so if you want to begin to discover purpose, you can begin to explore that a little bit. But for Christianity, I needed something for Christianity as well. Because sometimes there's 66 books of the Bible, thousands and thousands of scripture verses. How do I begin to boil down kind of this Christian life, especially to be a disciple. And so uh, we're going to use a framework. And has anybody ever heard of the Great Commission? Yeah, Great Commission. Has anybody ever heard of the Great Commandment? Has anybody ever heard of the Great Consecration? 
That's good, because I just made it up. And we're going to use that today. And so if you would, let's put up on the screen the Great Commission. This is from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus has died. He is resurrected. He is about to ascend to heaven. And he's giving his disciples the last little bit of information. He's inviting them into his story. This is a mandate. And if you are a Christian, the call is for you to be a disciple as well. Because disciples make disciples. And so we see here, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we see a couple of dynamics here. First, the idea is go, is that it's an ongoing, proactive mindset. You're going to go for the rest of your life. That's what a disciple does. They go to do what? To make disciples. That's the imperative. You give your life away. It's life on life. You spend time with people. You bring them to salvation. You share the gospel. They get baptized. And then you teach them to obey. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never grown up in a great discipleship culture. Some of you guys may have, but I haven't. And one of the things that I'd love to see here is that we are responsible for helping make disciples that that's part of the Christian mandate and that we're responsible for. And I believe this this is part of the reason why we exist. And I do believe that if we'll disciple people, we'll disciple nations. The Mueller's are a great example of that. They went over, they took years, hardship, difficulties, but they began to disciple And now 600 people are in Bible school and they're going all over the country and maybe all over the world. That's the picture of of discipleship. And I just believe when you surrender your heart to the Lord, you'll want to do the will and the work of the Lord as well. And so the great commission is part of that. Number two, the great commandment. If you go ahead and put that scripture up on the screen. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And that is something from the Old Testament. And so we, we find an element here where Jesus is talking about the whole person. Not a Sunday morning only. Not a Wednesday night only. It is about your whole person that is, is focused on who Christ is and serving him and giving him and loving him and allowing him to transform you. The heart is the ruling center of our lives. It's the essence of who we are. Okay, it's where we get our convictions. Like we can, we can lie to ourselves in our mind, but who we are comes out. Two people, thank you very much. The heart is that ruling center. It's the Bible says uh, out of the the, the heart, the mouth speaks. All the issues of life come from the heart. It's the ruling center of our lives. When we talk about the soul, that's the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay? It's 
It, it's, it's where we make our, our decisions. It's where uh, we, we allow God to transform our emotions so that they're healthy and, and, and our emotions now are focused on him. If they're focused on him, of course, they're going to filter to everyone else around us. The third thing is our mind. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind. And those are thoughts and imaginations. Sometimes we think imaginations are bad. Sanctified imaginations are not bad. They're directed toward the Lord. Um, God can use those. And so our, our thinking, our thoughts, and how we think about God, they're supposed to be centered on him. And then we get to that second part. And the guy asked the question, you know, who's my neighbor? Love your neighbors yourself. In, in, in Luke 10, uh, I asked the Lord, I said, you know, who is my neighbor? And I remember Luke 10 and uh, this, this guy comes to Jesus and, and he's trying to figure out, God, do I really have to love everybody? You know, because some people are really hard to love. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know, you can be hard to love. People are hard to love, right? There's some people that, that, that are just difficult. And then there's people groups we don't like. Politics. Woo. That's why I want to talk about it in here. I don't want a gang war happening in here, right? This, you got family members that are difficult to love. You've got uh, situations and, and laws that are being made and abortion and homosexuality and religious people. And you've got all this mix that's real life, real issues. And he's saying, who is my neighbor? And so in order to clarify who our neighbor is, I need to go back and, and tell that story from Luke 10. There's a, a guy who has been beaten up and he's laying in the streets. And this Jesus is telling this parable. And the, the priest looks at him and walks around him. There's another Levitical priest, another guy that's associated with ministry. And he looks at him and he walks around him. And then there's a guy that was considered, um, he, he was somebody that the Jewish culture did not like. He was of mi mixed ethnicity. And so they said, they're cursed. They, you know, we shouldn't have anything to do with him. And Jesus said, this is the guy that comes and stoops down and makes, picks this guy up, takes him somewhere, allows him to be nursed back to health, pays for the expenses. And he said, that is your neighbor. And so when God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, he's saying, love the one that normally you would walk around and not want to have anything to do with. It's quite the challenge. It's quite the challenge. And so this isn't something that we can do on the inside of us. This is something that has to be tra transformed by God's help. But this is one of the things. So great commission, great commandment. And the last one is the great consecration. What, before I do that, can I say something? Because I, I feel like we need to define love. Love is not permissive. And what I mean by that is... If you love somebody and you know they're destroying their life, are you just going to let them do it? Or are you going to say something? If, if you know that this is going to mess up their marriage, if it's going to mess up their health, if it's going to mess up their family, if it's going to mess up, you know, somebody's whatever. If you love them, you say something. If you don't love them, you don't say anything because it doesn't bother you. And so I just know as a church, we have to be willing to allow messy things to come up so that we can help people. Okay. Everybody wants everything neat and clean. My wife likes when we come home and the dishes are done and my life is better when I do the dishes, right? 
But how many know people have issues and love comes alongside and says, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to allow you to keep doing this. I want to help you. Okay. Now listen, I'm just going to say, I'm tired of people blaming the church. Church is not perfect. Church is not perfect. And I understand that. But if I bring something to your attention, it's not because I don't, you know, I'm trying to control you or own you. I don't want, I got enough issues of my own for me. But if I love you, I have to bring this to your attention because I care about you. Right? And so, you know, I, I do understand the church can have issues. But if, if we love you enough to bring something to your attention, it's because we love you. Okay. And how many know it's the mercy of God to bring junk up in your life? Sometimes we're so frustrated that God actually allows stuff to come out. But I remember when I was eight years old, stepped on a toothpick, tried to pull it out, broke off in my foot, stayed in my foot for four and a half months, had one surgery, couldn't find it, had an abscess, had to drain it, was going in for a second surgery. And it wasn't until they used this salve to bring that toothpick out that my foot healed. It's the same stuff in our life. If there's stuff in your heart, if there's stuff that you're hiding, it's going to come out and it's the grace of God for you. So how about we just bring it out? How about we talk about it? How about let's walk people through their mess? Raise your hands if you, if you got mess. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. It looks like it may take longer than I thought. So I do believe we're in a new season, right? And in new seasons, sometimes God wants to do something new. And he always begins with the house of God first. So I, I think stuff's going to come up. It's a good thing, y'all. So great, great commission, great commandment. This last thing, great consecration. Uh, Matthew 6.33. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard this verse. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It just means that you're seeking his rule and reign in your life. It's very easy, y'all, to, to attach Jesus to the things that we want to do. It's very difficult to come under the submission in every area and arena of our life, right? So if I enjoy giving, then I'll give. If I enjoy serving, then I'll serve. But if there's something that I don't want to do, it becomes very difficult. I remember, uh, I was thinking about this, uh, there were times when Chris and I would have an argument and most of the time, it really is me. But there was a time where it was something that she said or she did. I can't remember what it is. So she was 99% wrong. And the Lord, that's only happened one time. Y'all don't be booing. And so what happened is the Lord said, are you going to go apologize? And I went, what? I am not apologizing. She's wrong. I'm not wrong. And the Lord would not let it go. And he said, you go own your part. So I'm, I'm still thinking about it and eventually, <laughs> just kidding. You know, when I was young, I thought if, if, what I would do is I would pray and I would, I would tell God all the things he needed to do, right? As I got older, I began to say, God, what do you want me to do? And now as I'm getting even older, my understanding is, God, what would you do? And that's the way I'm approaching my life. And I, I really want this framework of discipleship and this idea of the church being the church. God, what would you have us do? You know, Jesus is challenging their reality at, in this scripture verse because they're under Roman occupation. 
You know, at any time you could be killed. At any time you could be taxed beyond what you feel like you, you could handle. They're worried about their future. They're worried about, you know, where the food's going to come from. They're worried about clothing. They're worried about real life issues, just like we are. Except theirs was, you know, Roman occupation. They were subjected to them. But Jesus is still teaching and preaching and he's talking to us today about where we are in our personal lives. And he's saying, listen, I understand there's a lot of things in life to worry about. There's always going to be stuff in life to worry about. But will you put me first in the areas where you're concerned or you're worried? Will you make me first? So for me, consecration really looks like uh, Romans 12, 1, about being a living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. For me, it's about just giving everything that we are to him. How many know that's a process? That, that this is for the rest of your life. As long as you are taking breath, you are incomplete. You're not going to be perfect. God is always going to be working on you. But it really comes down to, are you willing to surrender and say, God, I need your help. I want to be a disciple. I want to be fully committed, but I need your help to do it. Lisa Turkerist, uh, I hope I said that, that name right, Lisa, um, says this. We need to make sure our activities and our attitudes line up with what pleases God first and foremost. Wherever we focus our attention the most will become the driving force in our lives. And if we actually were to take a, a step back and begin to go through our, not just our daily activities, but if you'll begin to look long-term at your life, you'll find out what you really pursue. For some of that, it's pornography for years. For some of that, it's been you know, finances you want to accomplish, or maybe it's your dream or whatever. But if you'll begin to look back, you'll see the threads and you'll see the themes of your life. And God is saying, I want to be first in all things. I want to read to you uh, some of uh, a little more information that I was going to share with the group, those, those early adopters as we went to plant the multi-site. I said, we are asking people to give their lives for the site. And I make no qualifiers or excuses. Every person will have to make a determination to do whatever is asked and give whatever they have to him and for him for what is needed. So this means asking God what he needs and what he wants first. It's not about style or your gift, what the church should be or what the church isn't. God is asking, will you give me everything? Give him your talent, give him your time, give him your treasure, give him your issues, give him your fears, give him your family members, give him your kids. All of this is hard stuff, but all of this is what he's asking for. For years, I always thought God would hold out on me. I grew up with a poverty mindset, poverty not, not related to finances, but never enough. I was always desperately afraid God would not be enough for me. So I would withhold certain things because I was afraid he couldn't actually do it. And he's going, I want it. It means that your hope and dreams come under the lordship of Christ. It means what you think must bow to what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. Christianity is not about endurance as much as it is about embracing what God wants to do. 
You can spend the rest of your life holding on for heaven or you can actually surrender and go, God, however you choose to do this, I'm all in. So I have a story. For me, consecration and discipleship is about pursuit. Like I, if, if you knew my life, you would know how many things I've messed up and, and man, you, maybe you would be a little surprised that it, it just isn't this clean, neat thing for years. I just, I just made a lot of mistakes and, and still do, but there was one thing that, that I was hungry for the Lord. I was hungry, even in all my mess ups, even in all my failures, I was hungry for the Lord and I was at Bible school and I'm only about two years removed from just crazy living. And I'm there and I'm still struggling. I'm struggling in the way I think about God. I'm struggling in the way that I think about me. I'm at Bible school going, I don't know why I'm at Bible school. I'm never going to be in ministry. I'm just, I'm lost, right? But I thought when you get saved, you go to Bible school. That's just what you do. And, and so I'm there and, and I'm with these roommates. And I, I was like, I've heard of this revival happening at this church. Can we go? And they were like, yeah, we're, we're on board. And I've just found this is a lot like Christianity. Yeah, we'll go with you. And when it came time, it was, it was six o'clock on a Thursday. And I, I remember my, my roommates bailed on me. So I'm sitting in my car and I'm by myself and I'm going, are you about to do this? And I was so hungry for the Lord. And I remember cranking the car and I drove seven and a half hours by myself, got in line at 1.30 in the morning. There's a line formed at 1.30 in the morning. When's the last time you've been to a church <laughs> at 1.30 in the morning where you can't wait to get in? And I remember waiting and, and thousands of people came. And I remember just rededicating my heart and my life to the Lord. And uh, I, I drove all the way back home. So I stayed up for two days. And it was just this hunger, this desire to know God and, and to believe that he could do something with this broken life. And um, it, for me, it's one thing to call yourself a Christian and, and to come and sit. But for me, Christianity is you either got to be all in or you got to be moving to all in. Because that's what it's about. He's worth it. He's worth it. And so... A lot of times when we mess up, we spend a lifetime messing up. It's almost like we, we feel, uh, it's almost like digging yourself out of the hole. So sometimes early on when people are trying to dig themselves out of a hole, they go, well, there's no way I'm going to ever get back to where it should be. I'm just telling you, God will meet you in your mess and he'll, he'll help you walk it out. The things God has spoken over this church will not happen or be sustained unless we have true disciples. People that are willing to invest their lives in other people. People that are willing to be part of the Great Commission and love like crazy, even though it costs you everything, and to put God first in everything. And if you're like me, I still have a long way to go. I have not arrived. There's still issues that I need to work through. There's still, you know, loyalty to, to the Lord that I need to, to make Him first in areas. But as a church, we need to begin thinking and moving in that direction. Matthew 4.19 is an encouragement to me. Because it, it helps remind me that it's my job is to obey, but it's God's work to actually make it happen. This is uh, talking about Peter. And 
Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He took the skill and the ability and said, hey, I'm going to turn it and use it for my kingdom's good. But he was responsible for doing. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of people I find they, they separate themselves and they back up and they go, I don't know if I can commit to that because I don't know if I can actually do it. I know. And that's the point. Jesus will come alongside. He'll teach you. He'll train you. And then people in this church will do the same. But ultimately, we're at a decision point where we have to go, God, I want to be a disciple, not just an attender, a disciple, not just somebody who, you know, comes to a service. I want to be all in with you. And you can bet that it's going to take the rest of your life to see that happen. So my question is, are you all in? Are you all in? Are you going to allow God to be first in your marriage? Are you going to allow God to be first in your, in your finances? Are, are you going to allow God to be first in maybe what he's asked you to do? Because there's people in here, you're in business and God's called you to ministry. And some people, you may be thinking about ministry and God's called you to business. And you've got to ask the question, God, what can you do? Can I do this? Will, will I, can I give my life to you and trust you with it? Are you willing to make him first? Today is really about answering that one question. For some of you, you don't even know who Jesus Christ is, but you feel, you know in your heart that he's dealing with the sin issues of your life. And he wants to be both savior, yes, salvation, but Lord. He wants to be the Lord of your life, Lord of every area and arena in your life. He wants you to make him first. If that's you, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to pray for you. And I'd love to help you walk through this process as God brings transformation to your life. The rest of you, you've got to make the determination of whether you're going to be a disciple. Not an attender, not a follower from a distance, but a disciple all in. And the last thing, as you spend time with the Lord this week, Ask him, what areas of my life, God, have I not made you first? The scripture comes to mind. This is not, I didn't share this in the first service. Jesus said that, that a broken reed, uh, a bruised reed he will not break. And a candle that is flickering he won't put out. He's very gentle and he's very good. And he knows exactly what's going on inside of you. He's gentle with you, but he's committed to you too. So he wants to finish that work that he started in you. Would you stand? This verse to me is declarative. It's talking about why we do what we do in our personal lives, not here on Sunday in everything. It is about him. It is for him. It is through him. It is with him. Church, this is why we do what we do to honor him. So my prayer for you today is that you'll go home and you'll go, God, help me to be a disciple and help me get me ready to disciple others. God bless you guys.